Welcome everyone. Let's begin by enjoying three sounds of the bell. I'd like to speak tonight about one of the aspects of the Noble Eightfold Path, which is right diligence or right effort. Sometimes it's translated. Uh, and I'd like to um, distinguish between effort and ease and how those two together make up right diligence. So I hope you'll find that useful. First, I'd like to start to talk about long-term diligence versus short-term diligence. So what do I mean by long-term diligence? Well, um, all of us, for some reason or other, have entered the path of practice. Uh, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's accidental. For me, it seems as though I was born into it. My mother just again the other day mentioned rem remembering seeing me sitting on the curb as a three-year-old with my little blue hood on in some sort of contemplation that I don't know why I just seem to have uh, enjoyed it from the very beginning. And now I've been at this formally for a little over 40 years. So I somehow put my feet into the stream and then never climb back out. Uh, and I, th I think we typically, when we've come to the path of practice, the first thing we do is we begin dipping our toe in a little bit, and then we pull it back out, and we dip our toe in the stream again and pull it back out. And looking back, uh, when I first began formal practice, I certainly did that. And interestingly, I look back on that with some regret because I realize I lost so much happiness as a result of that dipping my toe in and out, and the skepticism I brought. Uh, I'm a little sad about that. But it's just so natural. It's what we do. It's what we all do. Um, but I'll return a little bit later to more about long-term diligence. But for now, I just want to make the point that long-term diligence means staying in the stream of practice. And whether we got there by intention or stubbornness or chance, um, you know, the, the old timers just haven't climbed back out. Oh, maybe you're one of those too. Maybe you've 
fallen in the stream and never thought to climb out again. So that's, that's enough for long-term diligence. Let's talk about short-term diligence because that's really where I spent most of my, my time here. Then that's really a question of how do we express diligence in our daily practice? That's the short term, one day at a time, one breath at a time. And I think that in my, in my practice, I've discovered that right diligence is living in this balance between effort and ease. So effort uh, is something that Zen people really seem to know how to do. We have a pretty rigorous practice. And we sit still for hour after hour. And we have a form that we follow very precisely. Um, some of us wrestle with koans. That's a diligent practice. That's a lot of effort for that. And sometimes we wrestle with koans for years. You know, I was thinking back, my introductory koan, I sat with for two years before I was able to pass that koan. That's, that's a lot of diligence I had to pull up from somewhere. But then, then I remembered that uh, Robert Aiken's wife, Anne Aiken, she spent 13 years on that same first koan. So she is like the, the queen of diligence. I don't hold a candle to her. Um, <clears throat> so we know how to do effort. It's kind of built into our practice form, built into the way we, we approach this great mystery. But it also seems to me that effort alone isn't enough. So we can make lots of diligent effort, but make that diligence just an expression of our ego. We can sit there in the meditation hall, oh, look how still I am. My knee hurts like mad, and boy, I'm gonna sit through that pain. Look at me, everybody, sitting through my pain. Look at how precisely I follow this practice form. Mm -mm -mm. Now, those aren't the kind of diligent acts that will free us. They're really uh, acts that solidify our striving instead of free us from our striving. Maybe, maybe you're like me. I think I, I entered Zen practice with dreams of personal enlightenment. You know, personal attainment of some sort. And so I worked really hard. Ajahn Brahm uh, talked about when, when he first decided to practice, he was in college and he decided, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get enlightened and I'm going to sit on my dorm room bed until I get enlightened. And he lasted less than 20 minutes <clears throat> because he was doing it for personal gain. So all these, all these ego dreams can drive us to be being um, overtly effortful in our practice. So this isn't, this isn't it either, because that just solidifies our ego. It doesn't free us from our ego. And that implies that there must be a balance between effort and ease. Effort and ease, because too much effort might be a trap. Well, we, we know our teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh has uh, beautifully articulated the need for ease in practice. He, he would say that if uh, your practice doesn't include happiness, you're not practicing well. And it's hard to be happy when you're gritting your teeth and bearing down all the time. 
so much effort. Ugh. Hard to be happy. And of course, Thich Nhat Hanh, being the poet that he was, he could say it in, in one brief phrase, happiness is here and now. That's ease. He didn't say grim determination is here and now. Happiness is here and now. When we're free, the present moment is wonderful. It's wonderful. Even if it's filled with things we don't like. And that's ease. Effort and ease have to be in balance. Uh, too much effort and it just solidifies our suffering. Too much ease and we just remain the victim of our habit energies. We have to be in balance so that our practice can progress. And I keep coming back to thinking about these, these paradoxes as sitting on a knife's edge. We fall too much to the side of effort and we just are grim. We fall too much to the side of ease and we just float around, victim of our habits. So it's somehow that nice edge we have to find in each moment. So I'd like to mention a few ways that that nice edge can actually play out in our practice. So let's talk a minute about how that balance between effort and ease can be part of our sitting meditation, specifically the po our posture as we sit. So we make an effort to hold our body with stillness, and with dignity and with balance. And we want to be our head balanced on top of our shoulders, our shoulders balanced on top of our spine, our spine nestled right onto our hips, our hips on our sitting bones, everything in balance. But we can have ease about that too. That's the effort but we only have to give enough effort to hold ourselves into that balance and that dignity and that stillness and no more. We can relax everything that doesn't hold us into that stillness. We don't have to clamp down and we don't have to fall down. You know, we can find that middle way of holding our posture with ease and effort at the same time. One of the ways I like to do this is I like to sit down and I like to put myself into my meditation posture. Find that balance, find that poise. And when I found it, then do a scan of my body and let go of any unnecessary effort that I find there. So right now I notice that there's a little bit of tension in my jaw. I can let go of that. There's a little, there's a little too much tension in my back. I don't need that much muscle contraction to hold my back straight. So I can let go of that. I just found some tension in my lower belly. That's not necessary. I can let go of that. So you might try this too. You might, Find yourself in your meditation posture and use the effort to place yourself there, but hold no more effort than that. 
let go of anything else that's not directly related to holding yourself with that dignity. How about in our breathing? Let's talk about balancing effort and ease in our breathing. So the effort is drawing in the in-breath. In order to draw in an in-breath, we have to actually lower our diaphragm at the bottom of our belly so that we can draw in that breath. That breath won't come in by itself. It's an act that takes some effort. Drawing down the diaphragm. And I think this is a fundamental bodily effort that we, that we make. I observed a number of people as I was with them when they were dying for whom this fundamental effort played out even after they were too weak to draw in their breath. There's a kind of reflex action I could see in their face and their jaw. They were no longer breathing, but their mouth would do something like that fundamental effort of drawing in a breath was still part of their body even after they were too weak to breathe. So that's the effort of breathing, drawing in the breath. And then there's the ease of breathing, which is releasing the out-breath. It takes no effort to breathe out. You relax and the breath just comes out all by itself. This is, my, this is my daily moment-to-moment -moment practice, is breathing in this way. I make an effort to breathe in whatever life presents to me, this moment just as it is, whether I like it or not. My effort is to say, yes, I will breathe this in. And then that's all I need to do, because on the out-breath, I allow Buddha nature to breathe out. I allow that deep, true self that knows what's necessary in the world to breathe out my breath, to breathe out my action. My only effort need be breathing in. Let the Buddha breathe. Let the Buddha breathe out. Let John breathe in. So you might enjoy breathing in this way too, finding that knife's edge between effort and ease. The effort bring, being bringing in this breath, bringing in this life as it presents itself in this moment, and then the complete ease of breathing out the breath, breathing out that compassionate response that didn't take any of your effort or energy to offer. One more of these uh, concrete examples, and that would be concentration. Concentration in our meditation. Buddhism has lots of concentration practices. You know, we have from the Soto Zen folks, we have just sitting. From the Rinzai Zen folks, we have koans like mu, every breath, mu. It's a concentration practice. 
in our Theravadan siblings, we have the jhana practices, practices of deep, deep concentration. And concentration also means sitting on the knife's edge between effort and ease. So what's the effort? Well, the effort, first of all, is setting your intention to concentrate. And I, I bring this gata up all the time because I recite it every time I come in this room. I, and I did it tonight. Um, entering the meditation hall, I see my true self. As I sit down, I vow to cut off all disturbances. That's the intention. That's the effort. And then as I sit down, I continue my effort by cutting off the momentum that I'm carrying. I walked in here tonight with my mind having lots of momentum, my body having lots of momentum, my emotions having a momentum. I was working on the wise caregiving website in the hour before I came to sit here and that was still in my mind and I needed to cut that off. I needed to cut that off. I did not need my mind to be back there at thinking about that. So I sat down and began making an effort to cut off all disturbances. I started by counting my breath. One Mind, counting my breath. One. Mind, counting my breath. One. I didn't get past one. And I, I and I furthered my my concentration practice by just cutting off whatever arose in my mind. There's a Zen phrase called cutting off the mind road. That's what I was doing. I just kept cutting off the mind road, cutting off the mind road, and beginning over and over and over and over again. That was my whole period of sitting. That's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort for concentration. So what about the ease? What about the ease of it? So as my momentum began to settle, As my mind began to calm, as my body began to calm, as my emotions began to calm, I could take my foot off the throttle of effort. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And when I did that, what I found was that ego, I mean, excuse me, ease was right there. Ease was right there. I didn't have to do anything else to create it. It was my ego was letting go of its projects. I saw the calm, the calmness, the ease that I had been disturbing with all those thoughts, with all that activity. It was right there all along. And it took some effort for me to be able to touch that. But once the effort had done its work, the ease was right there. I didn't have to create the ease. It was there all along. I'm thinking about what Ajahn Chah said. I love, I love his, this little truism. He said, if you want a little freedom, let go a little. If you want a lot of freedom, let go a lot. If you want complete freedom, let go completely. Yeah. And what is it we're letting go of in that? If you want a little freedom, let go a little of effort. 
you hold the effort too long, you will continue to obscure the ease. But if you don't give enough effort, you don't give your chance, yourself a chance to experience the ease. So this concentration requires a dynamic balance between effort and ease. Too much ease at first means I'm just swept away by the contents of my mind. Or too much effort later means I've obscured my own Buddha nature. I've obscured the inherent consciousness with too much project. So this dynamic balance, dynamic balance, ease and effort. Right diligence is dynamic. There's not a single fixed, correct balance between them. And there's not a fixed state between effort and ease that you can grab onto and obtain and have for the rest of your life. Not like that. One foot is on effort and one foot is on ease and you ride the wave. Get on your skateboard. Ride the wave. You get to decide what's the right balance at any one moment. No one else knows. I can't look at you and say, oh, do that or don't do that. You know from your own experience. You know that if you're sitting on your cushion and your mind is just going a million miles an hour, well, you're going to have to give more effort. But when it slows down, you have to let off the effort. Or you might just create an ego project out of the whole thing. So I said I'd return to um, uh, long-term diligence again. So I'd like to return to that because I divided short-term and long-term up. But really, they're the same thing. There's really no, no distinguishing um, characteristic be between them. And in both cases, for our long-term effort over our whole life of practice and our short-term effort of concentration on this breath, it really comes down to the same pattern. And that pattern is this. In all those cases, we begin with effort and we relax into ease. Effort first, ease later. And why is this so? Because our habits are very deeply ingrained and very hard to break. So we have to start our practice with a lot of effort. Whether that means the first time we've walked into a zendo, we need to bring a lot of effort with us. Or that means the first breath we take when we start a meditation session in both of those cases, we need to start with a lot of effort. But if we're still expending that kind of effort after 10 or 20 or 30 years of practice, or we're still expending that kind of effort after 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes on the cushion, we're probably stuck. We're probably working too hard. 
you probably have to follow Thay's dictum that says happiness is here and now. You know, after we've put in a lot of effort, we can relax into ease and we can see that life is fine just as it is right now. That I am fine just as I am right now. We get to relax into that. But it takes a lot of effort to get there. Whether that effort is measured in months and years or whether it's measured in breaths, it still sometimes takes a lot of effort. Okay, I think I've said enough. So if you remember anything about what I've said, here's what I hope you remember. Right effort is a dynamic balance between effort and ease. We make the effort to breathe in life as it is in the here and now, and then we have complete ease as we respond from our true self. Balance. So thank you for your kind attention. I'll invite two sounds of the bell. <laughs>